Big face lock pocket please. I love it. I love it. Shut the fuck up. Shut up, Macho Man! Luger is gigantic. Ugh, really? That's not just the coolest. That's not just the best front face lock podcast. Now that, my friend, is just incredible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of the Front Face Lock Podcast. I am your host, Ryan. With me, as always, is the one and only Vinny. And What's up? Today, we are joined by not just the coolest, not, not just, just the best, best, but Justin Credible, the one and only ECW champion, two-time ECW tag champion, eight-time WWE hardcore champion. What's going on, guys? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Glad to have this you. An honor for us. We are a huge fan. We were at Living Dangerously 99 in Asbury Park. Oh, wow. That's a great building, man. Oh, yeah. I love that show. I think I worked with Dreamer that night. It was you and uh, it was the Impact Players and oh, okay. Dreamer and Shane Douglas. Oh, it was a tag. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, actually, that was my first live wrestling show that I've ever been to. And it was fucking phenomenal. Like, I couldn't oh, have asked wow. for a better show to go to. That's awesome. Yeah, that was, uh, I love that building. It was, uh, it was intimate. Uh, Asbury Park is such a cool place. It was right on the boardwalk, if I remember. It's right on, at the end of the board. I worked in Asbury Park for five years. I'm five towns over from there. So it's the coolest town in the world to be and to have that show and to be there. Yeah. Quick funny side story I want to start off with before we get into this. Sure. Vinny and I, in, in the, in the, uh, the history of people doing backyard wrestling. <laughs> we did a backyard wrestling videotape that I have. It still exists, and I will never see the light of day, but I am wearing a Just Incredible shirt that I bought at that pay-per-view. Oh, that's awesome. That's fucking great, dude. That's so cool. It was the worst wrestling you'll ever see outside of some of the WCW pay-per-views that we've covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've covered, we've, co- we've covered some pretty shitty ones, but uh, I think that one day, maybe if we get farther down the road, we should actually play that video and do our own and, and show how ridiculous we were. I, had, uh, I did that too, though. I did uh, backyard wrestling in like 89 when I was in high school, 90, um, and I, I have no idea where those tapes are. I don't even know if they exist anywhere. I, w- I would love to see them. They were hilarious. We, we actually had, like, a video camera was, there's three of us doing it, and a video camera was held by one of our friends, and I remember it was extension corded. It, it was in Memorial Park in my town, by, uh, uh-huh. by East Rutherford, New Jersey. Yep. The extension cord ran to where they used to plug in the Christmas tree lighting for, for the town, and we're oh, just wow. sitting there throwing each other off of, uh, into bushes and, and off the wall. <laughs> yep. I, I hit Vinny with a guitar, and... It didn't break the first time, and after I hit him, he fixed his hair, and then I had to hit <laughs> him again crazy. with it. That's funny. Yeah, I think we've all been there. The imaginary ropes. And, yep. uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. I, yeah, been there, done that. Absolutely. Imaginary ropes, imaginary crowd, you know, just trying to sell it like you're in front of 30,000 people at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> yep. Yeah, those are good times, though, man. That, that's what, But that's what was so great about wrestling, and what is so great about wrestling is it just captures – your imagination and you're just yeah. you know what i mean it's so it was so cool it was like a no-brainer for me to get into it i mean i literally i graduated i was doing this stuff until i graduated high school which i was obviously like a geek in high school but um you know and like a year later i was doing it professionally i was like so committed and so into it you know i went i was just i went full into it so yeah man wrestling's a weird weird thing 
Yeah. That actually brings me right into my first question. You're a guy from the Northeast like us. You're from Connecticut. We're from Jersey. How did you get to Alberta and train with Lance Storm and Chris Jericho? Um, it, you know, uh, I was, I graduated in 91 from uh, high school. I took a year off. I didn't go to college. And there, you know, I worked at a supermarket. Like, you know, I, I, my mother-in-law lives in Hazlitt. Actually, so um, I'm familiar with Jersey. I, I bought a house in Old Bridge, not uh, like maybe 10 years ago. But um, anyways, uh, I worked at a supermarket and during my break, I would go and read, you know, they had the wrestling magazines like PWI mm -hmm. and those things. And uh, it, it was on the back of it. It was a like an advertisement for uh, a wrestling school. And this was pre-internet. Obviously, there wasn't all these opportunities. I didn't know anybody in the business or anything like that. So um when I saw it, I just called and it happened to be the Hart brothers. And, uh, you know, I just saved up some money and just went to Calgary. Cause that was all I knew. Like, I didn't know there were schools in Jersey or, or New York or, you know what I mean? I was, right. I was, I was a Mark. I didn't, I wasn't smart to the deal. So, uh, and that's, you know, it obviously was a good thing for me because it ended up being a great experience, but, um, yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah. I mean, just to follow up on that, actually, you know, you say that you're a Mark cause you had no other, you know, you didn't have any other idea, but, you couldn't have picked the better wrestling school to probably attend, which is yeah. actually, you know, like just luck there. But, it, you know, it's great that you got to go there. Yeah, it, it really was. And I knew about the hearts, you know, uh, obviously, you know, and uh, I knew their reputation. And it was just, you know, it was I mean, it was hard, dude. I'll tell you, it was probably uh, I. I didn't understand how hard it was going to be because I was pretty, you know, I wish I still had these tapes, like I said. But I was pretty good. Like, I already had a good concept of what pro wrestling was. Like, my punches were already good. The way I worked was already pretty decent. Because I'm a good, I could, if I see something, I could copy it pretty well. So I was always good at that. And um, so I went into wrestling camp. You know, I, I was already a little bit ahead. But, like, the physicality then. Like, 12 guys started that camp and only two finished. Oh, wow. uh, and it was me and this other dude, uh, Brett Farrell, who wrestled under uh, the name Big Daddy Hammer. He was from Ontario, and he's still doing it, too. But, um, yeah, it was just, you know, it was just a lot harder physically than I ever would have imagined. Like, you know, the they'd have you run a couple miles before you even got in the ring every day. Um, you know, 500 free squats, all kinds of, you know, calisthenics and stuff like that. And then you had to take a, a ton of bumps. Uh -huh. So it was just, uh, wow. I mean, it was really demanding, you know, and a lot of people just, you know, that was, that's what they did then though. They tried to kind of see who really took it seriously right. because it was still the older days where they didn't want to smarten everybody up. Um, so they kind of, you know, weeded out the people that weren't serious and, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, it was, it was, it was a good thing, you know? I mean, that's a fucking incredible story right there. I mean, like, Vinny played football. I didn't play football, but I'm sure Vinny had to do similar calisthenics, you know, squats and and wind What is it called? Wind sprints and hills and all yeah, that I, shit. I mean, aside from just maybe not even just the, the the football aspect, but I was in the the military as well. So I know that you know they go in the, you go in there and they smoke the shit out of you and yeah. break you down, and then yep. you know you're only the people that really really want it. You right fast you know yeah 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 and that's that's really what it was like how did you hook up with lance storm and jericho when you were up there uh well uh i jericho i only knew a little bit uh he him and lance came up the camp before mine 
Um, Jericho would only come around once in a while, uh, so I barely knew him. But Lance ended up uh, helping train us most of the time. Like Keith Hart ran the camp uh, and this other gentleman by the name of Ed Langley. But uh, Lance would just come around, you know, almost every day and really help. You know, he was, uh, you know, the physical part of it, like running through the drills where, you know, Keith Hart would kind of just stay on the outside and bark orders and maybe get in the ring once in a while. But uh, Lance was just a guy, you know, he was still young and, you know, getting his practice in. So he was the one that I uh, would I dealt with the most, you know. Now, 94, you get your chance. You're an enhancement talent in WWE. You get your chance. You're Aldo Montoya. Did you have any, between the wrestling school and Aldo Montoya, was there any other places that you wrestled? Um, there were the first 10 matches of my career, uh, were in Calgary. Um, they started, uh, uh, October 16th, 1992 on my 19th birthday was my first match. And it was the first show that this new promotion in Calgary started called Rocky mountain pro wrestling. I so I did my first 10 matches out there. I worked with Lance. I worked with Jericho, a singles match with both those guys and some other talent from the, the old stampede area. Uh, and then pretty much after money went dry, cause I wasn't making anything, you know, uh, I was starving. I went up there 220, all jacked up. And by the end of it, I was like 180 starving, like literally stealing a dollar 80 Canadian to buy a gallon of chocolate milk. Cause that's all I could afford to eat per day. Seriously. You know? So I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm coming home. And when I got to Connecticut, I really didn't know many people, uh, in the business, you know? So, uh, I did a couple of indie shows um, in Massachusetts, uh, maybe like five or six. And one day I just kind of, you know, the hearts always taught you to like, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, you got to kind of hustle, right. You know, uh, giving tapes or, you know, kind of calling and doing that, that doesn't work. You got to show yourself. So I went to a WWF house show, a WWF at the time. And, uh, you know, Tony Gurriel was one of the agents there. And I was like, hello, you know, my name is, you know, PJ, blah, blah, blah. I was trained by the hearts and Brett was on the show that night. And I was like, well, if you need anybody, you know, if somebody doesn't show up, I'm here. I got my gear. Cause they always told you to bring your gear. You know, somebody no shows. Um, they're like, no, we're cool, but, uh, you're, you're more than welcome to watch the show. So I did. And, uh, you know, they were very hospitable. And at the end, um, Tony Correa asked me if I was interested in, uh, doing some, you know, extra work for the WWE, like doing jobs and stuff. And I was like, sure. And he says, well, good. We're starting a new show called Monday Night Raw in Manhattan. If you want to come and, you know, start doing that, you know, you're you're right here. You're only an hour and a half from the city, um, you know, and that's really how I got my foot in the door, you know. How did you do the switch, though, from, you know, enhancement talent? And then they say, OK, you're good enough. Now let's make oh, you Aldo Montoya. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was always I, I was always pretty, you know, not to be high on myself, but I was pretty good, you know, and uh, Vince saw that, you know, they kept asking anytime they ask you back on a regular basis, especially as enhancement talent, you know, you're doing something right. And uh, one day I got a call from again, Tony Gurria, because he booked the enhancement guys. And he's like, we uh, we need you to come to the office uh, Monday through Friday. We'll pay you 150 bucks a day to work with uh, Brian Lee, who was coming in to do the fake undertaker. You'll work with him and Mark all week to kind of get Brian's, you know, master takers movements and stuff. So I did that. Uh, and Friday there was a live dress rehearsal with Vince and Pat and Mark, uh, Pat Patterson, Vince McMahon and Mark uh, Calloway undertaker. 
And uh, we did it. You know, everything went well. And uh, Pat started asking me questions afterwards, like, uh, you know, who trained you? And uh, the real the real key uh, when I knew something was up was like, he goes, what nationality are you? I said, well, sir, I'm Portuguese. And he goes, hey, Vince, this kid's Portuguese, <laughs> which I thought was kind of weird, you know. Right. I'm like, OK, um, no big deal, but OK. And then he starts asking me more questions like who trained you and blah, blah, blah. And OK. And then he goes, do you speak Portuguese? And I said, yes, sir, I do. Hey, Vince, this kid speaks Portuguese. And Vince like, oh, very good. <laughs> uh, you know, doing the, the Vince thing. And um, I, lo and behold, they were looking for somebody already to fit a, a, you know, a Portuguese character by the name of Aldo Montoya. That character was drawn up before me. I was just right place, right time, you know. Oh, nice. I, I read uh, somewhere that they were supposed to have to do, you were supposed to be a soccer player. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Now, did you know anything about soccer Did when this was going on? Or is it just like, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to wing it. I, or, or did you? I played soccer. Uh, my dad, okay. I mean, we're legit old school Portuguese family. So my dad actually coached uh, my uh, sophomore high school soccer team. So, and I played. But I, I mean, I wasn't very good. But I was, you know, I could, I could work the part if I had to. But uh, that didn't go very far. They just had a sketch drawing of it. Uh, because it was around the time of the World Cup. And okay. uh, the whole point was business was down in the U.S. and they were trying to get me to Brazil or they were trying to go to Brazil um, to, you know, do business, you know, because uh, Davy Boy was always over in England. He was British. They were trying to do that with other superstars of other ethnicities. And uh, they figured, you know, we'll go to Brazil and we'll use Aldo Montoya. Uh, but, you know, that actually never ended up coming to fruition. The market ended up falling through something with television. And uh, but, you know, they kept Aldo, uh, which, you know, worked out for me. At the end of the day, you know, I followed a little bit of Aldo Montoya's career. I mean, as a kid growing up, I remember seeing him when he premiered. You had the the opportunity to be in the Million Dollar Corporation. And the line that I have to ask you about and ask you who came up with it. Was it you on the spot or pre-scripted? When pre-scripted. <laughs> the shoved your money in the ear, you know yeah. exactly what line I'm talking about. Yeah, you? it was horrible, dude. I knew. But that's the thing is I knew it was horrible. But you couldn't swear. You couldn't right. do anything. It should have been, I'll shove that up your ass or something like that. But yeah. you couldn't, you know, it was so PG. And, you know, I was, I'd never done a promo in my life, first of all. And here I am on Raw, like being told what to say. I'm not going to go rogue my first night right. ever, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I just, you know, when you do, when you get that stuff, you got, you kind of just got to say, all right, and just do it. You know, it's like if a, if a director uh, in a movie tells you to, you know what I mean? It's kind of right. just like that, and I just had to go with it. I knew it was the shits, you know, but what are you going to do? <laughs> you got to try to make it work as best as you can. Right. First televised loss was the fucking Mantar. I know. Who, I know. Who, how did they approach you? Like, I'm, I'm guessing Vince or Pat Patterson came up to you and said, oh, you're going to lose, and it's going to be the Mantar. How did, how did that conversation go? They didn't tell you anything, dude. They just, they just, uh, that's, they just kind of circled stuff up on the board. And, uh, you know, it, it was, you'd be surprised how impersonal that stuff is. Wow. You know, you just kind of look at the sheet and they have circles on your name. And uh, then they'll get an agent to kind of go through what they want and how much time you have. But yeah, nobody came to me with anything. And he was horrible, dude. He was, he hurt everybody. He hurt wow. me all the time. I worked with him a lot, and uh, he was just brutal, dude. The boys hated him. He, nobody liked him backstage. He was just a dick, and he couldn't work a lick. 
So yeah, it, it really sucked. <laughs> you know, I I we we did what was it Royal Rumble '95 and he came out yep. and we hadn't yeah. watched it in a long time and it was like Mantar comes out and we're both like what the fuck is this? Yeah, we're like who the fuck is this guy? And then we remembered him like oh yeah, it's he was PN News's brother. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was cousin or something, right? Something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we yeah, actually yeah. just interviewed PN a couple of weeks ago, and I think he did mention that 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 was his brother or cousin or something like that. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, speaking for Vinny here, I know I can talk for him. We watched ECW. You get to ECW. We've heard the story like how you left. So you go to ECW. We watched it four o'clock in the morning. MSG Network. You know, we yep. stayed up and we watched it. But you were always the other option. Like ECW was always Plan C, so to speak. Like. You know, it was a WWE, WCW, and then it was ECW. How did that resonate with you guys? How did it feel in the locker room? That was always like, oh, well, there's WWE, there's WCW, then there's us. And you, got, but you guys like made such an impact on the wrestling world. Yeah. How like how did that feel in the locker room for you guys? Oh, it was oh. awesome, dude. We we knew we were like uh, punk rock. We knew we yeah. were the cool kids. Like, that's the only way, that's the best way I could say it. I mean, it sounds maybe outdated, um, but we knew we were the cool kids on the block as far as, like, ahead of ourselves. Like, you know, the, the hardcore fans, the smart fans, um, and just, you know, I, we felt that WWE was still not doing the, at this point, wasn't doing the Attitude Era just yet. They were, they were on the cusp, but they were copying a lot of what we did, and WCW was, uh, you know, they were doing their thing with NWO, but still it was so corporate and we were just bashing anything corporate and just, you know, just kind of, you know, Paul Heyman's a maniac and we were just following his lead, dude, and just being renegades and just constantly being like thorns in the side of uh, these corporate giants. That was kind of the message and we loved it. It was, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change that for the world and I would have done that till my career ended if I could have. And I think a lot of us could uh, would have. Because um, the money wasn't all bad. Like, people always get the wrong impression. Like, oh, Paul didn't pay everybody. And, dude, he bounced one check to me and he made good on it uh, a week and a half later. And he gave me, like, a half pound of weed to go along with my check. <laughs> a bonus. <laughs> no, I swear to God. That's that's a real story. I showed up at his house and, uh, and uh, where, where, where does he live? Oh, Scarsdale. I had to ask my wife. But yeah, that was a true story, and uh, I would have stayed there forever, dude. I was getting fifteen hundred bucks a week to wrestle twice a week instead of wrestling like twenty days out of the month. So I was making good money, um, doing kind of what I liked, and you know, things were were good, you know. But anyways. You were making twenty. I heard. I heard. You yeah. Twenty-two fifty. Yeah. I don't even know. But anywho. So in '97, Raven signs with e- with WCW. '98, Sandman, Landstorm, 2000. I mean, obviously WCW is trying to capitalize on the success of ECW. Did you ever get a call from Bischoff to come and join them? No, I didn't. Um, the closest I ever came to anything like that was with when I was still with WWE and Scott and Kev just left, and they kind of were willing to help me get over there, but. Uh, that's when I went and asked for my release, and Vince wouldn't wouldn't let me go to WCW, um, not for the Aldo character, just basically like it's a bad look for the locker room if I let another one of my guys go over. So he let me go to ECW after that, but um, no, I never really got a, you know, I was always considered one of Paul's guys. 
And I wish I would have got that offer, dude. Let me tell you. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it, no, really, it was a big difference, man. And it was a life-changing thing because, like, Lance, you know, he was getting, you know, $250,000 a year for three years. That changed his life. And, you know, a lot of us were still, we were waiting for that big payoff that never really came, you know, by sticking by the company. So, you know, you live and learn, but it never got any of that WCW money. <laughs> Speaking about uh, Hall and Nash, um, there are rumors because of your friendship with Scott Hall when you first started and when you came back uh, to WWE, you went into a stable right away with X-Pac. Yes. Uh, There's rumors that you were a member of the clique. Can you verify if you were? And if you were, how involved in that group were you? And did they have that real significant pullback stage with upper management in regards to who got pushed? They certainly did in the 90s, um, not so much uh, in 2001 when they came back. Um, and I mean, I always get asked that. And I mean, I was friends with I hate to say like, I, you know what I mean? Because if I have to say it, it means yeah. I'm posing, you know. So I just say that I would those guys were my friends and I used to travel with Scott all the time. So if people think I was, I was. I certainly didn't have any power. <laughs> That's for <laughs> shit sure. But, uh, you know, those guys were my friends, dude. And um, and Sean Waltman and Sean Michaels. I mean, when Sean Michaels had his wrestling school, I went out to, uh, when I was ECW tag team champion to help his school. And he had a promotion that was on television and ended up working for his promotion uh, against Paul Diamond and uh, helped send some ECW guys down there when Sean was doing his uh, Texas Wrestling Academy. And actually, the class I went down there to help was Daniel Bryan's class. Okay. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, we were friends, you know, but I never got that, uh, that click rub, so to speak. I gotcha. The night that you won the ECW championship, it was Tommy Dreamer. Yep. Was it always the plan to have him finally win his first title just to drop it to you minutes later to keep him as a tragic hero of ECW? Or was that booking decision made like on the, on the spot? I think that was the whole decision. I really do. I mean, uh, what happened prior with, uh, you know, it was it was crazy because Mike Awesome, um, you know, he went to WCW um, and I loved Mike, God rest his soul. But he went to WCW, never dropped the title. It was business. I get it. Not his fault. And then uh, we had to get the title off of him. WCW agreed. And then we had we borrowed Taz from WWE because he was already over there to come and uh, and beat Mike. So then we had to get the title off of Taz. So who better than Dreamer? And right. uh, But I think that was Tommy, because Tommy never wanted to, uh, he always wanted that, what you said, like that tragic hero kind of thing. So uh, I'm assuming, I didn't know, I got told like an hour before I went out there. Right. I thought I wasn't on the show, but believe it or not, going into surprised. it, I didn't think I was, yeah, I didn't know anything. So I found out like an hour before. So uh, I'm assuming that it, it was probably planned from uh, from the get but I don't know. I, I you didn't ask questions back then, dude. It was just like, okay, <laughs> you know. Poor Tommy, Fuck man. It. Like, what, did he ever win a match in WECW except for winning the belt? Like, he was so good, and he still is to the. I mean, yeah. I love him. He's still doing his thing in, in Impact. But did he? What did he win? Like five matches in his career? Probably. Like, probably. <laughs> and he, but he wanted it that way. And I think a lot of that was a lot of the thing in ECW was. It was kind of like a badge of honor to be unselfish, and he believed like getting the younger guys over. Like he made just incredible, and he didn't need to win though, right? Because you know he still was 
main eventing pay-per-views. He was still focused on all the storylines. So he really didn't need to win. Um, and when he had to, he did. So, I mean, you know, he was smart. Dreamer was super smart. He, he knows what he's doing. And he yeah. knows that's his gig, kind of. You know what I mean? You watch him today. He's, he's still putting younger guys over. And, you know, not in the best I mean, speaking for me, who's not in good shape at all. But, like, you know, he's not in the shape he was in. 20 years ago but he's still out there doing his thing yeah, yeah. respect i mean i'll tell you what man i give him a lot of credit because uh i'm i'm not in any better shape but uh just to do what he does against those guys at that high level i i, I gotta respect that i mean oh, yeah you know he's he's he loves this business he'll he'll die in that ring you know, he's, he's, he he's got to lose the two man bones, though. He's got he's yeah, got to get rid of horrible. the two men. My wife said the same thing. She <laughs> she used to my wife actually used to work for the uh, ECW. She was uh, she did merchandise uh, for three years uh, all uh, up until we had our first child in uh, in 2000. She was the one at the merchandise table. So, uh, yeah, she was Dreamer was her boss. So she that's the first thing she says is like, what the what's up with the hair, dude? <laughs> Not to mention he's losing it, so no, no bueno. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm wearing a hat right now too. So that's why I'm not in a man. But me and you, PJ, we got the same haircut. Yeah, uh, I just gotta shave it, mine, man. I, I get lazy. I got I got some that's just turning all gray now. So yeah, this uh, this is my quarantine hair. This is my I've been out of work since October hair, but normally I look just like you. Uh, that's not too bad. So you have more coverage than I do. <laughs> no, not really. I just dyed it blonde, so it looks it's it blends in with my scalp. <laughs> <laughs> nice. ECW gets popular. Everybody's you know all about hardcore matches and hardcore titles. WCW does it. WWE does it. Who did it right? We personally think like WWE got it more right. WCW kind of right. went to the next level of like we're just gonna bring a bunch of shit out to the ring and it's gonna be a hardcore match. As an ECW guy, you're you're sitting there, you're at, you're in the locker room, you're watching Nitro Raw. Who do you think did it better? I mean, I think WWE did it better, um, just because WCW, unfortunately, was just such a mess. Um, and I'm surprised too, because uh, Kevin Sullivan, who's a good friend of mine to this day, the devil himself, uh, he booked a lot of that shit, dude. And I'm just surprised that I don't know, man. I don't know. I would love to know what was going on there. Because they had so many amazing minds, and to let that shit get out there that they put out was just so much garbage. So yeah, I, I feel WWE did it better, although it got kind of lost towards you know 2001 and stuff when like, you know, like the fact that I won the hardcore title five times in one night and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, and Raven and everyone else. It was a, it became a joke, but uh, you know, it, it was what it was. But if any, you know, out of both, it was definitely WWE. And that's not saying much. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know? I think it's it's kind of like equivalent now to the twenty four seven championship. Like oh, absolutely, with, that's what it is. I think yeah. they just changed the name, right? I mean, I think I read somewhere that Raven has the most WWE championships of any wrestler ever in the history of the corp the company. I think yeah. they're trying to get our truth to beat him. I think he's got like eighty one title reigns. <laughs> Raven, it's like sick. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I just wish I. I the thing is, I mean, it's funny. It doesn't mean anything. But to wrestling fans, the fact that people are still counting it means something. Oh, yeah. I just wish that WWE would understand at times what they do have. And they don't. And I think that's a real loss of insight. Because if they actually really took care of their history the way they should, um, 
people would just be much more apt to buying into what they do. They just, I, I just think people have like quit on them at, at times because WWE just shits on everything that real fans care about. Like, it's yeah. almost like, like a passion for them, you know, like I'll show you guys for, right. you know, having an opinion or liking something that we're not doing, yeah. you know, like you're saying that WWE shits on everything. So you're Aldo Montoya. You had a intercontinental match against Jeff Jarrett. Um, you wound up losing that match. Time is going on. They start utilizing you less. You're aggravated, rightfully so. You decide you want to leave, go somewhere else. You wind up going to ECW, pairing up with Paul Heyman, and you catapult into the main events. Tag team champs, ECW champion. One of the best heels in ECW history. ECW gets bought back by WWE, and you guys go back into the fold. Now, my question is for you, is there something that Vin, you think, in your opinion, that Vince has this spitefulness about people that become more successful, not under him, whether it be oh, yeah. EC, ECW, NXT guys? I see it all the time. Andrade, Aleister Black, uh, Ricochet, you know, all the ECW guys, you, Sabu, you know, a lot of you guys went into the WWE and when you went back, we're pretty much buried or not utilized the way to your potential. When we were so excited when you guys went back that we were like, Oh, that's it. This is going to be yeah, amazing. Yeah. And they kind of like ruined. You. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do. They do do it on purpose. Uh, I feel, um, and it's not just me. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It's just fact, dude. Because um, when I, I remember I made my re debut um, uh, in 2001, at the Meadowlands, I believe it was the old Meadowlands. Well, it's still the same Meadowlands. I guess they didn't build a new one. Duh. Uh, but anyways, they renamed it. Uh, it was at the Meadowlands, and um, I went in against Jericho, and I hit him with a chair, saving Pac, and the crowd went nuts. You right. know, it was, it was sold out, twenty thousand people. And you know, the next night we did something similar, uh, and same thing, great reaction. And you know, it's almost like screw you, I didn't make you. I'm right. not going to, you know, it's almost like there's very few, the only person I could really think of, I mean, probably more if I really think hard, but Jericho's the only one that was made in WCW that got over the way he did. I mean, he is a once in a lifetime uh, performer, uh, you know, especially back then, but uh, he was the only one that really came like from WCW as a someone and kind of still made a huge impact. And, you know, obviously his career in WWE was huge. Um, but I can't think of very many to that level. So he, yeah, Vince, Vince does definitely, uh, doesn't, doesn't put over what has, you know, if, if you were over in, in ECW, doesn't matter. Like I remember in the commentating, uh, one time I was having a match with someone and Paul Heyman's like saying something. It was like Heyman and Lawler. And then Lawler said something like, Oh, I'm sure this, this guy, just incredible. He was a former ECW champion, like making fun of it. And Heyman's right. like, yeah, he was. And, you know, it's just like it's all just to them instead of putting it over and saying, right. yeah, this guy's legit. Like, why you got to bury it? You yeah, know, it's, it's like, what much. are you trying to do here? I'm under your dime. If I make money for you, we all win here. Right. Why wouldn't you want to push it and take the momentum? It's, it's petty shit, dude. It's, it's it, it, I never understood it, but they're still in business and they're still doing what they do. So yeah. whatever, man. But it, yeah, it's 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 silly. It really yeah. is. Thanks for answering that because I know me and Ryan watch all the time and we see so many talented wrestlers come through all the time. And and it's just like he's sitting there going, well, 
I didn't create you, and now I'm going to ruin you. You know, yeah. the EC3, when he went to TNA, he was gigantic, but he yeah. wasn't popular when he, his first run. He came back, and they just destroyed the guy. I was like, he, did he leave? Is he back in he, Impact? He's uh, in uh, NWA now, I believe. Or no, he's uh, in Ring of Honor. He just signed with Ring of Honor. Yeah, what a waste. He's yeah, such yeah. a good dude, too. Yeah. Man, yeah, it's crazy. See, what was the feeling in the, like, I, I know you've, you've said in past interviews that you guys knew w, or ECW was getting sold. What was the feeling in the dressing room where it's like, oh, we're, we're about to be under the umbrella of WWE now. Like, what are they going to do with it? Like, how did you guys feel back then? Well, we didn't know of that particularly yet. Um, it was when we got, we didn't get any news. Uh, a quick story. I got the news um, never. Uh, none of us did. Uh, I, I remember Heyman being mad at me for supposedly going to WWE. Now, mind you, I was the last ever match in ECW history. Sandman and myself were the last house show somewhere in the Midwest. I don't even remember. I don't know, somewhere out there. Um, but we were the last match. We all kind of said our farewells. But nobody officially told us anything. Um, and I called Jim Ross immediately, set up my thing. I got a three-year deal. And as I'm driving to the building in New York or New Jersey, wherever the fuck it was, um, and I get a call from Heyman and he's like, how dare you do this to me? You know, you sold out ECW. I'm like, Paul, there's no ECW. He goes, well, you know, you should have consulted with me. And that night he was commentating on raw dude. Um Wow. He was already in the building. He's giving wow. me a guilt trip before I get there. And he was the one commentating. He was already there. He he knew everything that was happening, dude. Just to give me one last guilt trip. That's crazy. I, as I, you know, it, it's insane how, how petty this shit is, dude. I'm just trying to feed my family. I'm a brand new father. My son's barely one years old. And, you know, how do I, how do I support him? You know, how do I do this? And now... You know, WCW is going under. ECW is gone. There's one guy in town. There were 500 pro wrestling jobs in 2000. 2001, fast forward, half of those jobs got cut. Now they all belong to the WWE. So there's all those people that were happily employed now are gone. Ugh. Indie wrestling ain't going to support that. So now people that are, you know what I'm saying, dude? It was yeah. hard times. And it, and it killed me. It killed me financially. Because after I got let go in 2003 or whenever it was, um, you just can't keep up any kind of I had to sell my house. I had to really downsize. I had to I went bankrupt, dude. There's no place to work for many years. That's why I'm happy about AEW and Impact kind of doing better and all these other places. But back then, there was really no other options. If you weren't in the WWE, you were fucked. Yeah, you know, so it was really. I mean, not like Crimea River, but that's that was the reality, dude. No, it's, you know? it, yeah, I can imagine it's got to be terrifying because it's the only game in town, and if you're not part of it, and a lot of people even... didn't get in, you know, a lot Sabu didn't get in at first. Uh, Sandman, Dreamer, even Dreamer held out for a minute. Uh, Van Dam got in right away. A couple, I mean, a couple others. It was it was just like. The way the cards fell, I was just like, yeah. I'm not going to play musical chairs and be the one without a chair, dude. Right. So I was like, fuck this. I was I was loyal throughout, you know. So, you know, it's like, fuck you, man. And he still gave me a guilt trip over it, you know, but whatever. How did how did you feel about the reboot in 2006? You know, you know, they did. The, what, Finny, what was it called? December to dismember or December. Uh, 
Hearts member. Yeah, yeah. they or, and for the, they did the one night stand and it went over huge. And then they tried to reboot the brand. They did December to Dismember. How did you feel about that? Like as an ECW original, you look at that and you go, mm, "What are they doing?" Or were you like like hyped to I was, do it? I was happy to do it. I was part of uh, the first one night stand. I came Jericho in the Landstorm match. We did the Impact Player Reunion thing. Um, and I was excited. I was like, look, dude, this is an opportunity for all of us. Um, but you know, I, it was just me being silly, I guess, because deep down inside, I knew that it wasn't going to, you know, you always hear, oh, Heyman's going to run it. It's going to be legit. And they really kind of tried at first, like they were running the ECW arena. They ran a couple of other uh, places that ECW had gone to smaller venues. They were running three towns a night, which meant SmackDown raw and the ECW brand. So I was like, maybe there's hope here. But the more and more you start seeing John Cena and, yeah. you know, even Rey Mysterio, like he was in ECW for like two matches. He's not ECW, dude. He's a WWE guy. Give me a break. Right. And they're trying to just pawn off these guys that came in for a cup of coffee as real ECW. And it just didn't work. Um, you know, uh, they brought in CM Punk to kind of be the the guy in the brand. I put him over in his debut, actually. Um, and, you know, that was cool. But I just knew that it wasn't going to go anywhere. And it didn't. You know, it, it just it was doomed. And, you know, listen, here, here's the bottom line. And I always say this when your whole game is to be the rebel, to be anti-establishment. Now you're working for the establishment. You can't do it the same. Our whole motto Paul's gimmicks like during like when we had the 900 line, it's like, you know, he'd always say something like, oh, fuck the WWF. And, you know, they're <laughs> trying to do this and that. It's always F them, F them. And he was like, you know, he was uh, I heard recently Dreamer said it, I guess, that Paul was getting 50 grand a month by Vince, oh, like shit. for a lot of years wow. uh, during ECW. So technically ECW is almost like their first NXT. Yeah, wasn't that the whole story of Brian Pillman, too, with WCW, where WCW was paying Pillman to wrestle in ECW because Heyman found a, a loophole in his contract? I guess, yeah. I mean, it was just it was just stupid, man. And, and Heyman is truly the devil. He's a piece of shit. He really wow. is. No, he, he's God. dude. when when you were when you were cool, like he tried to. Here's when I knew Paul Heyman was the shits and he was a shady human being. Um, I was getting wined and dined, making good money, top guy. And uh, he called me and my wife up to his room to smoke a joint. Friday night, we were uh, in Philadelphia. The arena was Saturday and I was working with Shane Douglas. So I go up to Paul's room to smoke and uh, talk business. And, uh, you know, we get to talking and you know, we're smoking just lighthearted shit. Then he calls Shane on the hotel phone because Shane was staying at the same hotel. And um, he calls Shane, but doesn't tell Shane. He's on speakerphone, mind you. Doesn't tell Shane I'm in the room. And he's talking all this kind of shit. Like, yeah, tomorrow night, Shane, you've got to make this kid. you got to, you got to, you know, the franchise. And, like, talking him up. And as he's talking it up, and I'm in the room, like, uncomfortable with this whole thing. Like, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. he's, like, he's mocking him, doing the triple threat hand gestures oh, wow. to the phone like saying and then doing the middle finger to him like fuck you shane we're gonna get you you know Damn. and i'm like wow if you're gonna do that to shane douglas who is the heartbeat of your of your promotion you're mm. gonna do the same to me right. you're gonna cut my throat the minute you can brother yep. and that's, I mean, that's just just disheartening that, stuff you know I don't, like, i'm not it, like that 
It sounded like he was trying to when he gave you that guilt trip too. So I mean, yeah, yeah. it was just it was he was a master manipulator, just a bad human being, dude. Bad human being. Yeah, Bottom not line, the first, not the first person that I've heard that from or read about. Uh, and I don't, I don't, that either. I don't say it too often. We just have this just happened to take the turn. Right. But uh, it, deep down inside, I mean, he can't look at himself and think he's a good person. I've right. never heard it. I mean, I've done some fucked up shit in this world, but I've never tried to intentionally hurt anybody ever, right. ever. Right. I'm a good dude. I've always been been like that. And I think I still am. I hope I still am. And this guy was just pure evil. He was the devil. You know, he was like Al Pacino in Devil's Advocate. If you ever watched that movie. Oh, yeah. Right. Love the classic yeah. movie. Yeah, that was him, dude. That was him. Sure. Still is. Uh, aside from Paul Heyman, uh, ECW seemed like a very tight-knit group, more so than the other promotions. Do you still stay in contact with uh, some of the guys? If, if so, who? Nobody, so, really. No? Um, not like that. Not, not, yeah, not that, not, no reason. Um, like, you know, maybe on Twitter, I, I just talked to Lance a couple days ago, or, you know, Dreamer. Like, it's like, it, when you see each other, it's like no time has passed. Like a high but, school uh, reunion. Yeah, but when you're when you're home, it's like you know we have lives and children right. and families, you know it's like wrestling is work, um, and you know home is home, and I just yeah. try not to bring either one. Like I try not to mix them, you know. And I'm not the only one. I think everybody kind of feels that way, you know. Yeah, you got to kind of separate. Separate. Yeah, you really do because it's nonsense most of the time, anyways. Yeah, yeah it's no, like I it's like old old too. old people playing high school bullshit, you know. Yeah. And no. we're we're only a couple of years younger than you, man. So we know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My job too. I I try to leave everything at the door. There's a bunch of guys, you know, that are real clicky there. And uh, you know, I go to work and they start with their bullshit. I'm like, yo, none of you are feeding my family, so I could really give a shit less. I exactly. got maybe three three tight friends in my life, and that's all I need. Yeah, and I'm not even it. one of them. It's <laughs> lying. <laughs> well, I, I know, but that's 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 a that's a true statement, bro. I I mean, um, it because of wrestling, I think I've uh, I've alienated myself so much. Like I literally have no friends, and that's my own doing. Like I always like I'm always in my own little bubble. You know, mm-hmm. like my wife's my best friend, which could be depressing at times, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, she's a good girl, and I'm very blessed. But uh. Seriously, like I just, you know, I just, you know, then that's that's a lot to do with the business. I just think you get so scalded at times and so hurt that yeah. you just kind of alienate yourself. Like uh, I'm better in a room by myself, which is not good sometimes. Hey, listen, I've heard you say you went to the Jersey Shore. I live at the Jersey Shore. Vinny's moving to the Jersey Shore. You come to the Jersey Shore, you hit us up. We'll go out. Oh, I'd love to. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Seriously, I am dead serious. That'd be super cool. Yeah, I mean, I live in Brick. He's moving the fork. Oh, you live in Brick? Yeah. Oh, right on. Exit 98. 91. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm moving to River. My wife's mom is 117, right near the PNC. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's Leonardo Middletown. Yep, yep. Right near Cheesequake. Yeah. Yep, that's my oldest son actually lives right off by Cheesequake. That's a nice area. Yeah. That's where I bought my house. I bought my house in Old Bridge, uh, Exit 120. They were beautiful yeah. townhomes over there. Yeah, that's the you, one I had. Exit to sell. I used to live at. We'd probably be neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeff Hardy used to stay with me all the time, and he used to always say when we'd drive by the swamps, he'd be like, 
Hey man, hey PJ, you think there's some crocs or some some gators in them waters, man? I'm like, no, Jeff, there's no gators in them waters, dude. Not in Jersey, no. No, not in Jersey. That's wild. If you're ever down in the area, you hit us up. Well, I'll, we'll go out to Asbury Park. We'll take you to Convention Center. It's, I don't know when the last time you were there. It's a hundred percent different than it used to be. Really? Yeah, yeah it's a lot more cool that, neighborhood now than uh than it used to be. All right, that on. whole pavilion, like when you first walk in off the boardwalk, that's all stores and shops now. It's not like it was back in 99. It was me and my, Vinny and my brother, Sean, and we're running from our car to get in because it's Asbury Park in 1999. We get in, <laughs> and then it's midnight when we're leaving, and we're running back to our car. And our, <laughs> yeah, it seemed wicked sketchy, dude. Yeah, it, it was, was real it was sketchy. very sketchy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but that's – got to love it. Yeah, now it's completely different. Now, you know – now you can go on the beach at, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning and you're fine. But yeah. back then, you know, after 8 o'clock at night and when the sun goes down, you better be indoors somewhere. Right, right. That's funny. <laughs> Good shit. Everybody always asks about their favorite opponent, who they loved working with. Who was your least favorite opponent? You said Mantar you didn't like working with. Who did you despise working against? And you don't have to say him by name if you don't no, want. I'll say I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> JBL. Really? Um, not always. He was like two different people. Um, House show JBL was the easiest match you would ever have. Like I worked with him more than 20, 30 times. Um, but TV JBL, when he, it, again, locker, like uh, high school, when he was in front of like TV guys and, uh, you know, he knew Taker and those guys would be watching. It would almost be like entertainment and fodder for the boys. And he would go out there and try to kill you. Like, ha ha. And, you know, but when you get him one on one, you know, he's like not a bad dude. You know, like we've had great matches. He was super easy at times and other times he was just out for blood. And you never, you know, you never knew who you were going to get. So, yeah, yeah, I just didn't like it. Any guy, any guy like that was just scumbagish to me, you know, because I never that's one thing, dude, I could probably count on the on one hand how many times I've ever stiffed or hurt someone. I was super easy, you know, and anybody, you could ask around, anybody will say it. Um, so I, I always tried to respect people. That's how we make our living. I'm not trying to hurt you. And uh, those motherfuckers just did not care. You know, no bueno, dude. <laughs> <laughs> when we went to Living Dangerously, 99, my first uh, live event, like I said, I see you and Landstorm's Impact Players you guys were a completely different tag team than I ever saw because most tag teams, you know, from the 80s, 90s, even going into the early 2000s, were two guys that were carbon copies of each other, were the same, you know, ring gear, uh, same kind of ring style. Now you had Landstorm, who is the serious deadpan technical wrestler, and then it had you as the egotistical loudmouth bruiser. And I just found that dynamic so interesting. It like drew me right in. I was like, "Wow, this is different, and this is this is fucking cool." Can you explain that, like if if that was like something that you two came up with uh, organically, or it was something that that was a booking decision? Um, I don't. I, I I could tell you that we didn't plan it, um, but I could explain that um, it was just Lance being Lance. The reason it worked, it was Lance being Lance and me being me. And, um, what I recall and I loved about it was Lance was, like you said, very serious. 
And there were times where I was always trying to be like Shawn Michaels. He was my hero. I wanted to be like Shawn. I wanted to be as good as Shawn. Of course, I never was, but still, you know, you could try. Um, And whatever. Um, So I was always, like, cutting T-shirts, putting shit on my head, like bandanas. And then, like, Lance started doing some of that shit. And I got him to do the pose. (laughs) Because Lance would never do that. So then, like, we just became... I don't know. It was just like, it was okay to like, I was so polar opposite of him and vice versa that we just, it made sense. And we had that real history with one another of like, he was the first real pro wrestler I knew. And I trusted him with all my heart. Like, you know, I I've known him since I was a kid. So uh, it was just organic. It was easy. And we trusted each other. We love each other. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, you couldn't plan that shit. It just happened. You know, it was magic. You know, I just wish that uh, WWE picked up on that because it was, uh, you know, it was money, you know. Both of you guys, like Impact Players, that was one of our favorite tag teams. We actually do joke around about Lance Storm because of the flat top haircut. We called him a, a time cop villain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But, I mean, but, like, he's, but he's, he's, the thing is, like, people that don't know him, he's so cool. And yeah. he's such a nice dude, you know. He's just Canadian. He's got a dry sense of humor. <laughs> but, oh, you know, but seriously, like, he was the kind of guy. Here's, here's Lance Storm for you. Um, you know, I would, uh, I would be the one, like, you know, hey, Lance, can I smoke a joint? And he'd be like, yeah. And so I'd go in the bathroom to smoke, thinking, like, I'm trying to kayfabe it and, like, not have it around him. He'd come in the, bed, the bathroom with me and sit there. He's like... <laughs> I'm like, but isn't that defeating the per? He just, he just, it wasn't. He was accepting. He and just because he didn't partake, didn't mean that he judged you for whatever. You know, he was a super cool dude. There was such chemistry in that tag team, especially that living the industry that we were at. I mean, like that match was just phenomenal. You know, we were at that. We 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 had the worst seats in the world. We were all the way at the top. But just I'm that's one of the matches that I remember just watching going, holy shit. And that's why I bought your shirt. And that's why I wore it in our terrible backyard wrestling match. <laughs> was it the green one or the blue? It was one? the one with you on there. And it said not just the coolest, not just the oh, best. Yeah, I yeah, had yeah, that yeah. one. I okay. even cut the sleeves off it. And I, like, I, 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 in, all, in that video that exists that will never be shown. I'm, you know, I got the cut shorts with the tights underneath. I was, I was trying to be just incredible. I'm not gonna lie. Nice, that's and awesome. Sure, and I'm pretty sure I was trying to be Jeff Hardy. I no, you were sure. trying to be Shawn Michaels. Shawn, Vinny has an obsession with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> I think he's we all do. We're all a little, we're all a little gay for Shawn. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not no, the only one. Very gay for Shawn. <laughs> it's okay. That's alright. <laughs> Did you ever get the chance to sign with TNA? Everybody seemed to jump ship from. WCW to go to TNA or WWE to go to TNA. Did they, did you ever get the call from them? Nope. Never got a, not a contract. I, I worked for them a bunch of times, but never got a deal. Why wouldn't they sign you? You're just incredible. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Really? I, you know, if you had you know, your choice today, if, if you had uh, like six contracts sitting in front of you, would you go WWE impact NXT AEW, like where would AEW. you go? Right I would now? go AEW. Even after watching Revolution. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because I could take that over. Not like <laughs> that. Not like not like that. I'm not going to be better than Mox. I'm not going to be better than Kenny. I'm not even saying I'm going to wrestle, dude, because I know my boundaries now at 47. But I'm just saying that 
there are things that they could that I know I could help with, and I find that what they have is exciting. Um, and yeah, it was the shits, dude. It was embarrassment, and I feel bad for Kenny and Mox. Um, the match was great. The, the match, match was, was great. The great, ending dude. was terrible. Yeah, and I I'm just amazed. Like, who the fuck did not do a run through on that? <laughs> like, did you not do a run through? Seriously? Like, even Heyman would not have fucked that up. <laughs> seriously like you know i you seriously, no, you have pyro and shit like you have a run-through you should know exactly how that's gonna look right and i don't think they had a run-through um but that being said um you know i i just think that there's a lot of opportunity there right now man and there's a lot of money floating around <laughs> i want some of that tony khan money dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> fuck yeah dude I, I love those numbers that they're throwing up Wrestle the match upon your WWE return against a young Dave Batista. Yes. You put him over and depicted mm-hmm. him as a monster. He, as we all know, would go on to become a multiple-time WWE champion movie star. Don't you think that that motherfucker owes you his success and should have let you take on the role of Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy? Just something. Maybe. I love <laughs> Dave. No, I love you know, Let me tell you something about Dave, dude. Dave is the coolest motherfucker. Yeah, like he was no, he was so kind to me. Um, I worked with him probably twenty or thirty times before we had that match on Raw. He was okay. just coming up out of OVW. He was, I mean, then I don't know him now. I, I haven't spoken to him since those days. But he was such a nice cat, so, and he was actually, dude, he was not that bad in the ring. He was actually pretty decent. Like, I, you know, he, hey, he didn't hurt me. I came out alive. I'm good. That big motherfucker, he could have killed. Right. <laughs> so I'm good. No, he was a he was a really sweet dude. Um, so I I mean, you know, it wouldn't help to hook a brother up, but you know, <laughs> that's just not how the business works. But uh, he was a super nice dude, man. I'm glad I got to do that for him. You know, I really am. He was uh, he deserved it. He was a really 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 grateful. You know, so in 2009, you were inducted into the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I can speak for Ryan and myself when I say that ECW members should be inducted into WWE Hall of Fame, maybe not as singular wrestlers, but definitely as a group. As the whole thing, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you guys should be included, which you just answered, and do you think that will ever happen? If not, I think we should get a petition going to get that shit to happen right away. In my mind, revolutionized the wrestling world. It changed the whole landscape. Yeah, it changed everything. Um. I believe that that's a hundred percent right. Um, yeah, we did. And I, I think we certainly belong. Um, now here's the problem. It's, you know, uh, the, the problem with hall of fames and all that stuff is it's all a work like fans, fans get crazy and wrapped up into these narratives that this shit's halfway real, like the hall of fame or anything, mm-hmm. dude, it's all a work. It's, it's so much bullshit. ECW, should be the Sandman, should be Sabu, Dreamer, Heyman, uh, myself, Lan- whoever, you know, the whole crew. Right. Um, and yes, it should be exactly how you said it, because I, I believed and said this myself many times, should be as a collective, right? Because we did change the business in some degree. Now, will it ever happen? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it should, and it would be right, and it would be pretty cool. But uh, it won't happen, dude. It, it, it's it, it would, and if it did, it would be some bullshit version of like two or three dudes that are already under WWE contract, watered yeah. down bullshit. They're yeah. going to put uh, Bobby Lashley and uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah, Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bobby, Lashley, Bobby Lashley, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon and, and Kevin Thorne, the, the ECW vampire. Yeah. And you know? maybe Heyman if he's lucky. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, you know we're from New Jersey. You've had some roots in New Jersey. I have to ask you this question. I'm hoping that you answer it correctly. What kind of crowd was more electrifying for you? A WWE size crowd or a smaller but definitely more insane ECW crowd? And secondly, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Secondly, who was crazier, the Philly crowd or the Jersey crowd? Uh, wow. <laughs> um, okay. Um, part one, definitely the smaller, uh, insane ECW style crowd. Um, it was always more passionate. Like I hated, uh, and this is going to sound weird. I hated work in the garden okay. because Madison square garden is amazing. And as landmark as people say it is and whatever, um, it, it was just a lot of times it was just fans didn't pop. They just sat on their hands um, it was a lot of, there was like no heat there at times, um, unless it was something really special, which I was not a part of. So that being said, definitely the smaller ECW style crowds now part B, <laughs> which was what? So, so I get it correctly. Who's crazy? Who was crazier? The Philly Oh, crowd? the Jersey or Philly? Um, you know, what Fred lightly PJ. <laughs> oh my God. What is down? What is down lightly? Yeah. Uh, no, well, be honest. I, it has okay. to be Philly because New yeah. Jersey was just not a regular stop. Even though we yeah. did do like, what was that thing down south? Black, black. Uh, what was it? Right off, right near the when we did Philly on Friday or we did Philly on Saturday. Blackwood, 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 yeah, yeah. Blackwood yeah. New Jersey. That was like we did it at like some little place where they, where they had a pool as a locker room and we had bald pony <laughs> naked in there many times. Um, <laughs> So we did, like, it wasn't just a regular thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Jersey crowds were dope, but it had to be Philly. I mean, they, yeah. they, they were the reason we kind of existed at first. Right. But even that's a lie because it was a hybrid. Everybody traveled to Philly. So that's not even really a Philly thing. It just happened to be the place where it was held. So that's my pass. So right. I'm sure there's a lot of wonderful <laughs> Jersey people in Philadelphia. Yeah, we, we were all there watching. Uh, Over the we, bridge. Yeah. Yes. I will, I will say, though, I do remember seeing one of the pay-per-views, and it was Tommy Dreamer in a street fight. And they were fighting in the middle of the street in Philadelphia, and the crowd was literally on top of them. And I was like, this is nuts. Because anybody could have just went in and, like, there was maybe two security guards and 500 people surrounding two guys fighting yeah. in the middle, yeah. middle of the street. Yeah. That was that was what was so cool. You know, it really it was done before anybody else did it. Now it's probably done like all the time. Mm -hmm. But back then it was just I don't know. It just seemed special. Look, I, I guess, you know, call it what it is. But um, it was just a, a capsule in time. man. it would it'll never be duplicated. And everybody's tried. But uh, it was it, it was special. I mean, we couldn't get away with that shit now, dude, with like all these movements and everybody being politically correct on Twitter and everybody being canceled. Dude, we would have been canceled uh, the first week in business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously, dude. I mean, it's like you just can't do that these days. And, uh, and that's a shame because wrestling is supposed to be fun. And uh, I don't see anybody ever doing that again, which I wish they would. I wish there would be some crazy motherfucker that would have a promotion um, that had the foresight to do that. But the problem is there's like not a lot of Heyman's around. And as much as I can't stand him, um, he's a smart, manipulative, crazy motherfucker that got it done, you know? And it, it so. definitely was a movement. I mean, like, my brother's the one that told me about it. Wake, woke me up at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, 
you got to watch this. There's this guy, Johnny Polo is now called Raven, and he's wrestling these guys, and they're doing, you know, they're using chairs was, and everything. It was the perfect storm. Uh-huh. It was like, it was like, here's the, here's what happened. It was the perfect storm. Everybody was that loved wrestling was so sick of the cookie cutter bullshit of the WWF and WCW because that shit got really bad at those in those. I mean, that was the Aldo days. That was like the shitty WCW days, especially 94, 95, 96. This podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that era. Right. But, you know, (laughs) so when when like really what ECW did was just kind of take wrestling back to old school, like. You know, just make it like it was in the old days, like try to bring some realism and innovate it somehow. And, you know, but it was just it was just against everything those guys were like it was if those guys weren't shitting the bed so much, ECW would have never, never been a thing. It would have just been like a bunch of indie guys doing some crazy shit, which we get a lot of nowadays. Right now on social media, you see GCW J or whatever fucking Janela's group and Janela's from Hazlitt, too, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> oh, a story about Janella. Janella used to come to my mother-in-law's house when he was 14 because uh, my mother-in-law and his mother were friends. And he would come to my house or my mother-in-law's house when I was there after ECW shows and like answer, like ask all kinds of little questions. So I had 13, 14 year old Joey Janella at my doorstep. <laughs> And now he won't even put me over that little scumbag. That's fucking crazy. No, seriously, he's too big now. He's too cool, right? Like Justin Incredible ain't cool enough for Joey Janela now. Fuck him. I mean, so much, him yeah, but there's so much heat. But that's just how the business is, right? Now you're a fucking big AEW, whatever the fuck you call it, star. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, dude. I'll you eat you for fucking no, breakfast, you little punk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I hate my life. No, don't ever apologize on this show. I mean, if you listen to any of our past episodes, we go on rants um, about, I know you're friends with Sandman, but I have a problem with him. Vinny has a problem with Arn Anderson. I have a problem with Lenny Poffo. I have a problem with Goldberg. He has a problem with Goldberg. He has a problem Beverly with Bret Hart. I have a problem with Sean. Like, if you want to talk shit about somebody, this is the place to do it because we have talked shit about almost everybody that people say they love. Okay. So, Fair enough. Do you know I a did... wrestler named uh, Mario Bacara? He no. tag teamed with Dan- with Daniel Bryan for a long time. He was the PWS champion for a long time. I grew up with him. Oh, uh, um, over here, the PWS Pro Wrestling Syndicate? Yeah, he was the champion for years, for like almost two years. No, I mean, if I don't you don't know, know him, I'm not offended. I mean, I, No, you know. no, I, I really, I truly don't. Not like that, but I really don't. Yeah, he was up. in Impact for a while. He was in PWS, did a couple Raw matches. I'm just asking because I, you, you're close with the Jersey Syndicate, so Jersey Syndicate, like it's the mafia. We, yeah, we I, also I, have I mean, a guy that I used to work with. I don't know, Dominic Yanero. He was a One Warrior Nation. That sounds he, familiar. He was pretty much took the Ultimate Warriors gimmick and just took it. Oh, that's and, him. Yeah, I used to work with him, and uh, Warrior actually sued him, yeah, but he didn't have the uh, copyright on One Warrior Nation. Yeah, I remember that. No, I don't know. I don't know him personally, but yeah, I remember that. He's actually a really, really great guy. But sometimes I would just look at him like, dude, you totally just stole that shit like straight from him. And he was like, it's almost like, but the thing is, there's like a lot of unspoken words in life. And there's just some things you just don't do. Like you should know, like that's one thing you probably shouldn't do. Right. 
I, I mean, like I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, if I was seven feet tall and I walked into a wrestling ring with pale makeup and wearing all black and call myself the grave digger, that's probably not something that I should be doing. <laughs> probably you know? not, no. Yeah. But, I mean, fuck, maybe I'm the loser for not doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, you're, you're, you're just incredible. <laughs> I wish somebody else would tell I wish somebody would write me a check saying I was just incredible. <laughs> Vinny, do you have? I know you have another question, and and I, I he wants to ask this question, and, and I don't want we don't want you to get in trouble with your wife when he asks this question. Go ahead, you. no, it's all good, dude. Go, okay. just shoot, just don't don't even worry about it. Shoot. So, like I said, not to get in trouble with the wife, so you don't have to answer. But I will. Another fun question is: you got to work along with some of the most beautiful women in the wrestling business, like Francine, <laughs> Eula, Dawn Marie, Kamano Alea, Tammy Sitch. Did Justin Credible get to hit his finisher on any of them? And I don't mean that that's incredible. No, absolutely not, dude. <laughs> um, no, I, I Francine was um, just, you know, she was Franny. She was fucking Dreamer. Um, everybody was fucking Dreamer. Um, <laughs> fucking Dreamer. No, they were, seriously. Um, who else? Dawn? No, 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 not Dawn. That was uh, Simon Diamond's chick. Um, no, nobody. I, I was, no, I suck like that. It's I'm funny, no good. They all, they all apparently live in New Jersey too. Yeah, like, Tammy. Oh. Tammy, I could have, but it never happened. She literally, like, I remember one time being, uh, I was traveling with her and Chris. Uh, we were doing like house shows for WWF as she was uh, Body Donna's. I was Aldo, and Skip was, or Skip, Chris was in the shower. God rest his soul. And she came into the room where I was sleeping and tried to, she got naked and tried to fuck me. And I said, get the fuck out of here, you dirty whore. You're in Chris's house. And that was that. Oh, nice. And that stands. So, no, I guess I'm the loser. Oh, no, not really. She's nasty. No, it's not being a loser. You know, that's honest. You, know? you don't do like, that to you know, your buddies, don't... dude. That's commendable. You don't do yeah. that to your buddies, dude. Sorry. That's a, that's, a, that's a very honorable thing. I don't know if either one of us could have been that honorable. Yeah, uh, you could I, have. I she's, have. She's she's such a scumbag. You would have. Trust me. Well, she's a bad human. <laughs> so what what is your opinion on the the wrestling landscape today? Like, who would? I, I'm a big fan of top five lists. Like, what is what would you say your top five wrestlers are today? Like, what what do you when you look at WWE and and Impact and AEW? How would you look at it and go? I can make this better. Or, you know, are they doing a good job here? And who are, like, your favorite wrestlers right now? Wow. That's a loaded question. Unfortunately, I'm I don't sorry. watch. No, no, no. It's cool. I don't watch enough to give an honest answer. But I will tell you this. Um, I would say, and this is just because I, <laughs> the only reason I know this is because I review uh, AEW for Vince Russo's podcast. Me and him do a Friday, a Friday review show on AEW. So I've watched every single Dynamite. So I can only say for AEW because I can't watch Raw or anything else because um, I hate wrestling at times. Um, I would say Omega first, Moxley second. Third would be... Fuck, man. I like Moose. I, I think okay. Moose has a lot of potential. Um, he's the he's an impact. He's he's the one that has the uh, he has the title, title now. Yeah, he has the title now. Yeah, he's he's a good dude, man. And he's yeah. and he's and he's money. Um, th- five and or four and five. Ah, uh, fuck. 
you know who I love, dude? And I don't know if this is top five, but for me, it's definitely for me. Uh, Jungle Boy, I think, is going to be money. He's yeah. at one point, Fantastic. he will be money. Yeah. Um, and Ray Phoenix at number five. And I think he probably may be closer to closer to the don't even worry about the order but ray phoenix is going to be if the, he doesn't kill himself he will probably be the best wrestler in the world next year he's fantastic i i was so impressed with him in the the tag team battle royal yeah the other night yeah i no, he's 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 ridiculous and like i said he'll be he'll be the shit if he doesn't kill himself but unfortunately, they do such crazy shit. Like, I worry about that. Like, legitimate, like, not that it's going to affect my family, but I worry about their health because, like, some of the shit they do, it's just going to take a slip of the wrist and somebody's going to get hurt, like, and break their neck or something. So I just hope nobody gets hurt, you know? But anywho. I, I agree with that list 100%. The only one I would throw in there is Butcher from Butcher and the Blade, because that's Andy Williams from Every Time I Die, and that's one of my favorite Oh, the, the metal band. Yeah. Yeah, I know who he is. Doesn't he play yeah, bass? That, he plays guitar. Oh, he plays guitar. Yeah, he's Ru- one of my... Russo, Russo smartened me up to that. He's That's one of my favorite bands in the world, and I, I used to watch him on Instagram, show, like posting pictures and video of him wrestling in indie leagues, and then all of a sudden he's in AEW, and I'm like... That's fucking Andy Williams. His name's Andy Williams. I'm like, that's Andy Williams from Every Time I Die. Like, I've met that guy a hundred times. Yeah, I'm rooting for him no matter what. That's pretty dope, dude. That's pretty dope. Is he? Is he really? Is he like? Like, how are the? How are they? Are they good? Like, is he a good player? Like, are they good? Oh, they're. I, I mean, I I'm a metal punk fan, so I'm. Mean, oh, I like, love that too. No, I love that shit too, dude. Yeah, check out Every Time I Die. He's one of the guitar players. And he's the night. He's straight edge. He's one of the nicest guys in the world. I've met him so. I've met him in Buffalo. I met his father. He introduced me to his father because I drove from Jersey to Buffalo to, for a Christmas show, and his dad was there. And he made like he made me talk to his dad for an hour. Like he's oh, right the nicest guy in the world. That's dope, so, dude. So yeah, I'm rooting for him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I gotta look that up, dude. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I knew he had talent because, uh, like I said, Rus- like uh, Vince Russo's son is like, a huge metal fan, and that's like one of his favorite bands, too. And he, he smartened me up to that because I didn't know either. So I'm like, holy shit, okay. And it's amazing yeah, it's- that AEW doesn't like capitalize on that in some way. Right. I think that's more Andy because he does two different characters. He, he doesn't want to play. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that makes sense because Corgan does the same thing. I'm like I talked to Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins, Billy, NWA, Billy, and Fuck Billy, does... Billy Corgan. No, sorry. no, you can't say that. Fuck he's Billy a Corgan. he's a good fr- dude. He's like one of my better friends. I'm sure he's Stop. a nice guy, and I'm I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Smashing Pumpkins had a, gr- a couple good albums, but. <sighs> Sorry, fuck you bite your tongue, son. <laughs> bite your tongue. I will send you Listen. over all of all of my pictures with Billy giving me hand jobs right now. Give all of them. Just send them all of them. All, all of them. Of over overnight delivery. Order. Dude, you want to know what? No, but all, all kidding aside, funny thing is when we were in LA, we stayed at the me and Jeff Hardy stayed at the Chateau Mormont, uh, the famous like that was like the Doors fucking hotel gimmick. Mm-hmm. And Billy was staying there. We stayed there because of Billy. 
and and Jeff was like, back then we were all on fucking crazy drugs, and and he thought he was some kind of a fucking music fucking. Well, he still thinks he is, but anywho. <laughs> so we're trying to like we had a three way jam: Billy Corgan, Jeff Hardy, and Just Incredible. And let me say, dude, it was probably the worst thing you would ever hear. But but um, to hear him play like and just pick up a guitar and like his there's something about his voice. I know it's like, you know, you could say whatever. It's so unique. And he's such a great player. I don't know, man. I'm a mark. Maybe I Listen, suck his dick too much. <laughs> I like Smashing Pumpkins, their first couple of albums. You know, Melancholy was the last album I liked by them. You know, Siamese Dream is amazing. Gish is a great album. But fuck Billy Corgan. I'm sorry. I'm You know, listen, if you listen to the show at all, there's going to be somebody that comes up in one of the things we're watching. Like I said, it's Hack. It's, you know, uh, <laughs> the genius. It's poor Shane hack. Douglas. Yeah. Fucking somebody comes hack. up. He made it rant on Arn Anderson and hating him. You know, and it's not somebody we actually hate. It's just fuck that guy. You, you know. Okay, I respect the fact that he is uh, doing the NWA. I, I respect that thoroughly that he's keeping that alive. But give it up with the Smashing Pumpkins. Seriously. Like, Darcy's not your bass player anymore. Oh, I have you some stories had a about great Darcy. Song. Do you want to know some stories about Darcy? Sure. If you have time, I'll we'll oh, listen dude, to any no, story listen, you want. Listen, listen, listen. When, when they were, before the this recent reunion tour, um, Darcy was all fucked up. She was hitting the crack pipe and she would show up to this dude. I won't, I will not name this dude's name, but it was a Chicago guy that was helping run a wrestling company in Chicago. And I was there and was she he showed a punk? up. Perhaps, but anywho, <laughs> she showed up and like, cause Billy left a lot of the smashing pumpkin stuff at this dude's house. And she showed up like all her lips all fucked up saying, I want my bass. I want my, like, what do you call those things? Like the, the cases that they hold them in for tours? Like the like, touring cases kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, all that. Yeah, she was like trying to get all that shit. Uh, dude, and she was so fired up. Yeah, she's a scumbag, though. I heard she was like a really bad human. Really? Yeah, like she was the problem. Well, James E. Howe was the problem, too, but that's another story. Jimmy Chamberlain. James E. Howe was, James e. Howe was in. Perfect circle and James yes. Chamberlain. Yes, and James Chamberlain, Chamberlain is a great tight, drummer. Dude. He's a great drummer. Great drummer. And James E. Howe was in Perfect Circle. So, and I saw them live at PNC Art Center. Phenomenal show. Yeah, yeah, I must say. But more reason, fuck Billy Corgan. He hired Darcy. <laughs> so I'm just gonna put it out there. <laughs> it was a bad hire. Come on. It was a <laughs> bad hire. Give him a break. Got it sometimes. I'm just joking. That's well, listen, funny. I'm sure he's a nice guy, and I really don't hate him because I like a lot of his songs. But fuck Billy Corgan. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> PJ, what are you working on now? What are you What are you doing now? What are you doing with your life? Like, you know, you, you doing any wrestling or? Um, I'm just trying to stay out there, bro. Um, you know, I'm not really doing. <laughs> this is gonna sound like the weakest plug. I'm not doing shit, dog. Um, no, seriously, I, I'm not doing much uh, on the wrestling front. I'm just trying to kind of, you know, keep all options open. But realistically, I'm not like looking for uh, work. I'm just, you know, I'm just doing this, man. I'm doing podcasts and just kind of chilling. And uh, hopefully within the next year, man, get my fucking ass in gear, get in some shape and maybe have uh, 
I don't know, fucking my third or fourth farewell tour. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I've done them a million times before, you know. Dude, I had a farewell last match against Dreamer at the Starland Ballroom, like in 2006. Oh, wow. Like 2006, wow, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm already 15 years into my retirement tour. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm grasping. So, if you've got any ideas, hit me up. <laughs> hey, listen, I know... Um... You know, obviously everything's starting to open back up. I've seen a lot of wrestling promotions starting to come around again, which is great. We were trying to go check some out, try to maybe get like a um, uh, press pass, have a table set up at some of these places. Right, 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 yeah. You know, just to try to get things out there. I was just wondering, because I've seen it from other uh, wrestlers, you ever think about doing like cameo and stuff like that too? Or I've you, done that, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's, it's limited, dude. I mean, the whole thing is like, if you're not over, right. you know what I mean? Like, not like that. I'm not being like, all oh, woe is me. But if you're not over um, and there's like a lot of other wrestlers in the world, it's 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 a hard nut to crack. Like, you yeah. really have to, you know, have like real dedicated people that, you know, and it's just not been like that for me. And that's cool, you know, whatever. But uh, no, I, I just got to, uh, I really, if I really want to stay in the wrestling business, I kind of got to get in on the ground floor again and start from scratch at 47. I don't know if I can do it from a physicality standpoint, but I'd like to, uh, you know, I'm going to, I, I thought about it today, dude, maybe making some calls and trying to be a producer somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I think I could help. I mean, I do have unique perspective because I've been around in the nineties, early nineties, WWF, WWE, ECW, etc. So, you know, I mean, you know, Jerry Lynn's in AEW doing that. So I can, I think I would, be an asset in some capacity somewhere so not so much wrestling um but uh it's some other capacity i'd like to do something but we'll see you know no big deal just gonna say that you have to uh change the battery in one of your smoke detectors i can hear it beeping oh you could hear that (laughs) dude yeah that's a problem in my house (laughs) me and ryan absolutely believe you know definitely you could be an asset to anybody i mean you know you made things in ECW work that, you know, no one ever thought of before. I, I could just tell by the way you work and your brain just talking to you, you think outside the box and you think uh, of things that could actually help move the wrestling business forward rather than the stalemate that kind of is in right now. Well, thank you. I, I, I would like to think so. And I'm just, you know, I'm being honest. I, I hope I, you know, all kidding aside and I would love to. I'd be honored to. And I, I just hope that opportunity presents itself, you know. So, you know, hopefully someday something will happen. But I guess, I, you know, I guess the biggest thing, and I'm saying I guess a lot, well, I'm lost. But um, the biggest thing is we sometimes look for people to come to us. And I guess I can't do that because nobody's going to come knocking on my door. I guess I got to just uh, have the balls to maybe knock on other people's doors and kind of say, Hey, look, my services are available. Cause you never want that. Right. You never want right. to be like, Hey, I'm available. Nah, we're not interested. You know, didn't you say when you first started wrestling, that's how you started. Yeah. Like but going I'm not that, to a house show, but I'm not that guy anymore, bro. I don't have that confidence. I used to, I'm not, I, sometimes when you know, that's like, I was young and dumb. And I guess that benefited me. I guess now it's like fear because I know how the game works. And it's like, 
I, I, you know what I mean? It's, and that's just me being insecure, realistically. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but it's me being insecure, knowing how it works and probably being afraid of being told no. Yeah. Uh, straight and simple, you know, just being honest. Uh, this is the most yeah, honest I've been. You're just incredible. You're, you're Hall of Fame quality, in our opinion. You're one of our top 10 all-time best wrestlers. You know, you were the guy I, I emulated when I wanted to be a backyard wrestler. You know, you're just incredible. Somebody's going to hire you. Listen, I'm right there with you. We started this podcast not thinking it was going to be anything, but you're just incredible. Like... Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to just stop thinking negative. You know, yeah, you that's know, been my that's always been my biggest uh, my biggest thing is just, you know, if you it's easier to live with. I don't know than being told. No, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Some, you know, and I, I guess I just don't want to hear the no because I'm scared. I'll yeah. be honest, you know, and that's just me being vulnerable and, you know, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, everyone's got their insecurities, but at the end of the day, you know, Unless any of us puts yourself out there taking the risks that you're going to say no, you'll never, ever That's know true. the answer, and you're going to miss miss some opportunities. But, you know, uh, we believe in you. I'm, I know you guys, you got tons of fans that believe in you. We're all rooting for you. And well, Thank uh, you, man. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate that, and that really warms my heart, dude. I, I'm honest. That's awesome. Yeah, and listen, I would love to have you on again. Like, anything yeah. you want to talk about, if you want to talk about Fastlane, I fucking hate that name, by the way. I know, Fastlane. I do too. It's better than Great Balls of Fire. to WrestleMania. Shut the fuck up, Michael Cole. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's horrible. But, but, you know, if you ever want to come on and just talk Fastlane, WrestleMania, any old ECW, WCW, WWE pay-per-view, we talk shit about it. Like, if you ever listen to any of our shows, all we do is talk shit. There's some magic. We did Royal Rumble '92. In my opinion, that's the best Royal Rumble in history. We still talk shit about it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's if awesome. If you ever though. want to come on again, whatever you want, man, we'll we'll Definitely. have you on again. It, it, this has been an honor. Yeah. Oh no, on. it's been my pleasure, dude. I had a great time with you guys, honestly, for real. I, I had a great time. I could have done this all night. So I thank you guys for being so kind. You know, yeah, seriously. Absolutely. And if you're ever at the Jersey Shore, hit us up. No, yeah. I'm gonna hit you. No, no, this, this isn't over, dude. I'm gonna hit you guys up. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be getting the phone call. Awesome. Oh, please. I'll, just, I'll text you my number, man. Text. Please me. do. No, and, seriously, I'll text you mine. Please do. Yeah. Just to, just to let everybody know too. Um, follow him on Twitter at PJ Polaco. P O L A C O. Awesome tweets all the time. Great guy. Book him for podcasts, anything he wants to do. Amazing experience. I, I can't buy, even... buy buy his shirts on uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. I'm going to buy the – see, the reason I didn't already buy the Just Incredible shirt where you're standing like this is because it doesn't say on the back. Not I know. I know. I wanted to yeah, I wanted to have that done like a complete replica, but they don't do uh, front and backs. So oh, I'm really? actually thinking of doing a, a complete ripoff of that uh, ECW version. Uh, if Once I get the money up, believe it or not, I, I think I'm going to do that for myself because I think those are dope. And it, it would be a cool retro thing. You know, I'm if with you. you. Get, I, I feel you. If you get one of those made, I will buy that one. Oh, I, I'll give it to you, bro. You don't got to buy shit, dude. No, it's no. all good. No, I hear <laughs> I'll you. buy it. So for our listeners from the last show, I don't know if you heard this, Justin. 
or PJ. I don't know what you want me to call you, Justin Credible, PJ. Um, the last show, me and Vinny made a joke about Billy Kidman, and we said that I would get a airbrush picture of Billy Kidman on the back of a jean jacket. If somebody I saw that. I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet. Yes. <laughs> well, I have the jean jacket right there. It's been bought. So now I just have to go to like Seaside Boardwalk and, and get, get the it picture done. airbrushed. That's dope. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, we had an overwhelming donations for that, and I bought the jean jacket. It's sitting. I, I can show it to you if you want. <laughs> it's right there. So I have to go to the boardwalk now when it opens up and get Billy Kidman's picture with his fist up. Oh, so the the fist up yep. like this. I saw the and, yeah. I saw the whole thing. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. That's so, so fucking cool. I got the jacket, so now I got to get the picture. It's a little tight in the sleeves, so I have to get the sleeves cut off with, like, Arn Anderson, Vinny's favorite wrestler ever. Oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I will go to the board. I will get the picture of Billy Kidman airbrushed on the back of that. So Nice. Yeah, that's I'm dope. a man of my word. That's awesome. That's really cool. And that's what we're all about, man. We're talking about having fun, and, you know, it's, yeah. it's wrestling, you know. You're, you're top 10. Like, you're up there. In our opinion, I'm a flair guy. Hogan's, like, 11 down. So that's our, that's our standard. Like, to me, it's, like, flair, punk, Jericho, Piper, you, Macho Man. You know, th- those guys are in my top 10. Sh- you know, Bret Hart. Vinny's going to say Bret Hart's in, you know, the bottom 20 because he <laughs> Bret Hart. Bret reason. Hart is, like... Right above Arn Anderson, the and Beverly Mantar. Beverly Brothers, Mantar. He hates the Beverly Brothers, fucking, by the way. Fucking Mordecai, yeah. right? Other that's than heat. that, that's heat. Well, you know what, Brett? Let me tell you something. Brett was he was immensely overrated. <laughs> immensely <laughs> overrated. He was. He was. That's Owen was better. Owen was ten Owen times was a, better. Oh dude. yeah, Owen was amazing. Owen was Owen. the shit, dude. He was yeah. so good. It was not even funny. But yeah. anyways, I gotta roll, fellas. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much, man. You guys have been Thank so you. awesome and so kind. Thanks, yeah, man. I really want to hear do... from you. Seriously, drop me a line, dude. I'm Definitely. gonna text you right now with my phone number. Text me. Can you do one thing for us? Absolutely. Can you say I'm just incredible and you're listening to the Front Face Lock podcast? All right, here we go. Now, that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best. The Front Face Podcast. Wait, 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 wait. What was it? Front (laughs) Front Face face Lock. Lock. (laughs) Got it. Front Face Lock Podcast. Now, that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best. The face front. (laughs) 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 Fuck off. One more time. It's better with the fucking gimmicks. All right. Face front. Front Front Face face Lock. lock. It's a wrestling move. I don't like wrestling. Face front. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Dude, all right. Front face lock. <laughs> now, that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best. The face, really, dog? <laughs> front. That's not just the coolest. That's not just the best. Front face lock podcast. Now, that, my friends, is just incredible. Nice. You Thank are you my so favorite ever. Right dude, now. I can't believe Thank I couldn't so get that out, dude. I suck. No, I had okay. a couple of I got a couple of the of, of the bubbly in me. So Listen, <laughs> a little bit a of the bubbly in right me. now. 
Cheers. Shit, thank I, you so much for being on this. I, I thank you. This fellas. was the best. This was just incredible, by the way. Well, thank you. Yeah, I really good. had a good time, fellas. Thank you. Thank and you I will text so you my number. Thank you so much for being on. Please do. Thank you, guys. I have a good one. You, uh, too. you too. Have a great night. Holy shit, we just had Just Incredible on the show. That was fucking awesome. That was fucking amazing. Follow us on Twitter at Front Face Lock, Instagram and Facebook at Front Face Lock Podcast. Vinny at Vin yeah. Front Face Lock No C. Did I get that right? Yeah, Vin Front Face Lock without the C. L O K. You can listen to us on Anchor.fm, iHeartRadio, Spotify. 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 Thank you so much for listening. It's just incredible. What a fucking awesome dude. We are going to have him on more. For sure. He was fucking amazing. He just, he went from like top 10 to top 5 of my favorite wrestlers. So, thank you guys very much for tuning in. Have a good night.